Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to Off the Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, I talked to James Yorkston and it's wonderful. You are going to hear one of the most delightful voices you've probably ever heard on this podcast. And uh, I literally didn't want the conversation to end. His, his, his voice coming through the headphones when I was recording, it was so good and, and talks with such passion um, uh, about the records that he chooses. And, uh, and I can't wait for you to hear it. Um, before we start that conversation, just a few thank yous. So um, a thank you to 76 for producing this podcast. Thank you to Scroobius Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network. And I should say that if this is your first time listening to Off the Beaten Track, and uh, when you get to the end of this episode, why not have a a look in the archives? Because there's there's over 200 episodes with some some super ace chats with some you know really amazing creatives. You know you can hear me talking to acts as diverse as Gosh, from Sheik to James Lavelle to Maxine Peake to James Acaster, you know, through to Public Enemy, Melanie C. It's uh, it, it, you know, it, it goes all over the place, and there's a but there's a running theme that they're all interesting, passionate creatives, and uh, yeah. So when you get to the end of this chat, go and have a, a little look about in the archives and see what what chats tickle your fancy and give them a. Uh, a little listen um if you'd like to support the podcast i have a, an accompanying patreon account and over there i put up four radio shows each week um video episodes um special guest episodes and yeah so you get a lot of stuff over there and uh and by by signing up over there from as little as about 80p a week it really helps um support this podcast because it's uh it's a labour of love. It's, I mean, it's a wonderful labour of love. I should stress that. You know, I do it for free anyway because it's ace. But yeah, any kind of um, help you can give over on there is truly, truly appreciated. I know why you're here and you're here for this. Please enjoy Off the Beat and Track podcast with James Yorkston. It's Off the Beat and Track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Me, stew with him. Right, we are recording. Um, hello, James. Hello, Stu. How are you? Uh, I'm good, thank you. I'm good. Um, we've been nattering sort of for five minutes before we've uh, we, we, we've let the rest of the world in on this chat. Um, yeah, but we haven't had the the the, the obvious chat, which is um, which we're going to get out of the way before we start talking about uh, records. And and that question is, I, I'm, I'm interested to know how you found 
2020, James, as uh, as both a human and as a creative? I'm afraid to – well, I'm not afraid to say, but I know this may not sound so good for some of your listeners, but I've absolutely loved it. I've been on the road for the last 20 years, uh, not nonstop, of course, um, but it's pretty much been my way of making a living, uh, amongst other things. And I've put out an album once every year, once every two years, put out books, all this sort of stuff. So I've we had to cancel the tour halfway through. So after we canceled the final 10 shows of a, of a tour, and I haven't missed it at all. I've loved being back home. I've loved being with the family. I've loved being able to walk down to my studio and just have days and days and days of time just to create more music. And we live a stone's throw from the beach. And it's the best kind of beach because it's not full of sand. It's full of rocks and rock pools and we get crabs and seagulls and cormorants and heron. And it, it's a an amazing place to live. And I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoyed being back here with my family and just going for long, long walks. Perfect. <laughs> but, you know, there is, and then I suppose the bad side of that is I do have to remind my parents not to go to the supermarket. You know, sure, I do have to say, sure. I do say, look, you can't invite people into your house at the moment. So, you know, there's obviously the same worries that everyone else has, but creatively I've, I've loved having the time off. That, that, you know, do you know what though, James, that's not, that's not necessarily a, a rare answer. I, you know, I, I recall quite a lot of these podcasts each week and, and most creative people have kind of echoed what you've said, just being able to kind of not be on the road and be able to kind of, enjoy you know that that time with both family and 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 you know being able to kind of work from a home studio and 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 just you know there be no time constraints as such yeah well i i don't blame them it, it's it's enlightening you know i was i was just at a really good place with with my live work where i was just feeling very comfortable and confident on stage and the audience were re- reacting well, as well as my solo stuff. I have a trio called Yorkston Thong Khan. And we had just done one of the best shows of our lives at Celtic Connections. And then we'd come down and done all these. I was absolutely loving it. And I was livid that it had to stop. I mean, it cost us a lot of money having to cancel mm-hmm. the tour. But being home, is just a man. I tell you, I don't want to go to another airport. it it takes me it takes me 90 minute it's a 90 minute taxi journey to the airport and uh and then you fly to some festival somewhere and i'm not missing it i I, I hate to say it but i'm not missing it so when it comes back when i have to work again (laughs) when i have to go on the road i'm i'm sincerely hoping that something kicks in and I rediscover um, the love because I was in a very good place before the break, before the lockdown. So I'm hoping that that very good place will kind of uh, carry on. Okay. Track one. What's the song with the greatest ever intro, James? (laughs) Well, obviously this is a nonsense question. because i mean it's not as though there's one song with the greatest ever intro is it um so i just thought what was good for me and there's a track by faust the german band faust called knocking tans and faust are a band that i got 
told about when I was in my early 20s by one of the guys in Avalanche Records in Edinburgh. And this was like 25 years ago. So before the internet, before anyone knew anything about <laughs> crack rock or any of that stuff. And, and then those guys in the record shops, they were the guys who, uh, they were like the Google, you know, because they knew all the stuff. So um, Pure high fidelity type thing. Yeah, well, kind of, except it was a much, much smaller shop. The shop was about the size of a, I don't know, a tiny wee sandwich shop. Sure. But I, I've come from a tiny, a very small village, and I was living in Edinburgh, and these people were, they just had so much more information. So somebody turned me on to Faust after I told them that I liked the band Can, and this one piece of music, Knocking Tans, is probably my favorite ever piece of music, um, but the intro which probably lasts for the whole 10 minutes, to be honest, because it doesn't really, it's just an extraordinarily haunting uh, piece of music. And then what it develops into is something that really doesn't sound like anything else. An extraordinary band and, uh, yeah, Knocking Tans by Faust. I remember um, I had a friend who was a few years older than me that was kind of that aficionado that, that, that had all the, that he had all the records that you needed to know about. And uh, yeah. and he'd kind of he'd let you into sort of like every time you go around he he maybe sort of like give you a peek into another one of them and uh, <laughs> and I would sort of like flick through his his vinyl collection and there was just this really stark picture of this this live bootleg of this band and they were just playing making noise with angle grinders yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and I was like what the fuck is that yeah he's yeah like, that's Faust. And I was yeah, like, yeah, it's <laughs> I need to hear this, you know. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part, for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. It's funny because now can are really, ex they're accepted and they've, they're almost mainstream. You know, everyone knows vitamin C, you know. But at the time, I, I got into them because I was down in a, I was down in West Cork in a, a place called um, Baltimore, tiny fishing village called Baltimore. And the guy behind the bar was playing the end of the world soundtrack. And it had that can song in it called last night's sleep. 
so I asked him what it was, and he said, oh, it's the End of the World soundtrack. So I went and bought it when I got home, and that led me into Cannes, into Faust, and then all around that stuff. But Faust, although I love Cannes, and I still do, Faust, they're kind of, I kind of almost prefer them because I prefer the the energy and the kind of death rattle that a lot of their music has. And this track, Knocking Tans, was we actually named a song from one of our Jochs and Thonkern albums, Knocking Tans, which means bone dance in German. We named one of our songs after it. And then just before lockdown, I suppose last year, I got the weirdest of phone calls, which was, would I like to come and support Faust in Edinburgh? <laughs> so, so I was like, yeah, sure, man, why not? So I, I, I drove through uh, just for my acoustic guitar, and I was terrified because, you know, you go and see Faust, you don't want to see some guy singing acoustic guitar, you know. But the audience were amazing. They were they were completely silent during my set and then they responded when I was joking and laughing with them and that show was great and then I went on stage with Faust and wow. I did yeah I know I know it's ridiculous uh, so I was I was reciting uh I think I was reciting I can't remember what it was you know how they have a lot of tracks where there's people kind of chatting away in German in the background well it was one of those except uh I was reciting a traditional song, but I can't remember which one it was. And then there was another one where I was just kind of playing the acoustic guitar. So it was an experience, a loud experience. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Well, for track two, I'm going to ask you the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you, please, James. Well, again, this is uh, this. there's all sorts of things I could have said here. It was probably in real life something I heard in church because we went, we were very, my parents were very avid church goers. So it probably would have been some kind of happy clappy song, you know, um, God's spirit is in my heart or something like that, or go the mass has ended, you know, one of these things go the mass has ended would be a great one to have chosen actually, because we always felt really happy when the mass had ended. So when, when they're singing, go the mass has ended. It's like, yay, we can get out of here. Um, but uh, the one I chose, it was, um, I can't even remember what it was. What, what was it I said to you? It could have been one of two. It was a classical piece, I believe. All right. It could have been one or two. It could have been, uh, uh, basically we were, we were, we had a lesson at school where we had a classical violinist come in. And she uh, uh, she t played us some music, and there was the one uh, the one which I had said to you was Dance Macabre, um, which was composed, I think, by Camille Saint Saint. I'm not sure though, because I'm, I'm not very good with that stuff. And that was the first time that we'd been sat down and encouraged to listen to music and kind of think about the different parts of it, think about what's going on in the background, think about the story it's telling. I guess I was nine or ten. So up until then, you just think classical music is the dross that your father puts on in the car, you know. But there was, I remember tapping my feet to it and being frowned by the rest of the class because uh, I was seeing to to be enjoying this music, this classical music, whereas they were into their elder brother's music, so they were into the jam and things like this. This was like in 1979, you know. So that was probably the first piece um, 
that uh, I kind of realized you could one could get into. It, one could actually get inside the music, if you see what I mean. But aside from that, I mean, it could have been anything. You know what I mean? Happy birthday brings emotions, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Hopefully happy emotions. <laughs> it depends, <laughs> depends how old you are. <laughs> I find it's, it's less of a joyful experience every year. Um, <clears throat> um, so, so where was home then? Um, Kings Barnes in the East Nook of Fife. So Kings Barnes is a small agricultural village. Actually, it's quite big now. There's about 300 people. But when I was there, it was less than half the size. And there was maybe three farms. And uh, I was there with my family. My my grandmother was further north in St. Andrews. You would have heard of St. Andrews, I'm sure. And uh, then I moved to Edinburgh for 15 years, and then I came back. So I live a wee bit further down the coast now. I live in a place called Saladike, which is a small fishing village. But actually, compared to King's Bond, it's massive. There's about – Saladike's attached to Anstra. They're like Brighton and Hove. And uh, there's about 4,000 people between the two. So it's actually quite a big place, you know. We've got a supermarket. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you, you you touched on school there, and, uh, and 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 so for track three, I'm going to ask you, James, the song that reminds you of your time at school. Well, again, school. You're going from primary one to sixth year, so that's a long, long time. I'll let you have two. You can have a primary and a secondary. All oh, right. Okay. Well, I haven't thought of a primary, but the secondary, the one which I wrote down to you, was "Never Understand" by the Jesus and Mary Chain. Actually, I'll go for the first one first since you've just told me that. I'll say Stand and Deliver by Adam and the Ants. Interesting. He came on the radio or on the TV, and uh, I was best friends with a guy called Steve Mason. Do you know Steve? He's now... From the beer band. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Steve and I were altar boys together, and we went to the same primary school and then the same secondary school and all that. So we really got into Adam and the Ants. And uh, so I'd say they were the ones from... Though he got pretty bad pretty quickly, I have to say. So. Yeah, but there was a point where he was the coolest guy on the planet, right? Yeah, well, maybe he was where you were, but up in Fife, he was, he was, uh, yeah, no, there was a point. It just maybe wasn't quite as big a point. Yeah. It lasted for about maybe one and a half albums. <laughs> so, <laughs> completely, completely agree there. Uh, but, but there was a point where, as a, you know, I, I think we're very similar in age and, you know, seeing Adamant on top of the pops was was quite something. You know, I, I, I I'm not going to lie and say I didn't ask my mum if she'd paint a white stripe across my nose. You know, that <laughs> was wonderful. Um, okay, so I mean, how did you find how did you find school? Uh, well, I went to a Catholic school, um, so we were taught by nuns um, for the first seven years, and uh, I didn't enjoy that at all. And I'd recommend, I'd highly recommend if anyone's thinking about sending their children to, to a Catholic school, not to. Uh, though I'd say the same. I'd say the same about any religion, really. Uh, I, I'm not a fan of religion at all. So the the primary school was out of the way, and then we moved into the much bigger secondary school, and uh, that was a bit weird because we were in the classes with the Protestants. 
and we had been told, we'd been taught that um, we were going to heaven as Catholics, but no one else was. So, <laughs> so all of a sudden, you're sharing, you're sharing a classroom with all these, with all these poor souls who are, who are damned, damned to hell, you know. But you know, once I got, <laughs> once I got, I mean, that, if school's not hard enough anyway, <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> That was pretty weird, but but maybe it was my own fault for believing it. But but then when I said the Never Understand Jesus and Mary Chain album, I fell in with a group of people who were really into their music, and this was a, a big thing for me. And we used to we used to swap albums back and forth, so there'd be stuff like um, Tommy by the Wedding Present, um, that Killing Joke one that came around came out around that time with. Um, I can't remember the name of it. And of course, Never Understand was one of the big ones. Somebody would buy a record and you tape it and then you'd pass it around your pals, you know. And that one was an extraordinary thing. How, how re- old were you then, James? I'm going to say second year at school. So what's that? 12? That's that's some intense music. Mary Chain and Wedding Present and Killing Joker at 12. That's... Sonic, oh, we loved it. Sonically, that's some some glorious racket, there, isn't it? Oh yeah, but we absolutely loved it. You know, you know, I've I've got pals who are very much into pop music, and that's bless them. You know, I I love Erasure. I love um, <laughs> I can't think of anyone else poppy, <laughs> but um, that's a good one to choose, though. But I, I just, you know, I really like Pet Shop Boys. I really like Soft Cell. When The Cure used to come on the TV, I thought they were great as well. Adam and the Ants, obviously. Eurythmics. There's all this sort of stuff that when it came out, I was drawn towards. But then most of the chart stuff, the chart poppy stuff, I absolutely hated. So people like Elton John and David Bowie and all sure. this kind of stuff. Get it away from me. But the stuff that was kind of coming in through John Peel, I, I just... I somehow really connected to it. And uh, yeah, I never understand but that whole album is, is extraordinary. So uh, Psycho Candy. Yeah. That, that was, uh, so, so I guess school kind of reminds me of that because it's the period where I was sharing music with my pals and discovering new things. Was you playing music? Was I playing music? Yeah. Do you know a guy called, you might know a guy called Vic Galloway? Yep. Vic Galloway, for some of your listeners who don't know him, he's now a DJ on BBC Radio Scotland, and he also is on BBC Radio 6, and he used to be on, you know, you get the point. Vic grew up in the same village as me, and when we were kids, he lived just over the road. When we were kids, we would um, write songs about the village, you know, and, and the cows and stuff. So we were making music pretty much from the age of eight or nine. And uh, when... He got a punk rock retrospective. Uh, I can't remember what it was called. Maybe it was called England's Burning or England's Dreaming or something. And it had people like people in the Test Tube Babies and Dead Kennedys and things like that in there. And we were very much into that way before we even went to secondary school. The first, the first gig that we uh, went to was The Damned. And that was in... I have to get this right. It was on the Grimly Fiendish tour. So whenever that came out, 85, 85, 85. So that was the first gig we went to when I, I guess I was 14. He was 12. So, you know, we were all, we were, there wasn't a huge leap from that to the Jesus and Mary chain. The Jesus and Mary chain were kind of, 
pretty guys making the same music that yeah. we'd been listening to. They weren't scary. Like the dead Kennedys, they were scary. Yeah. You know, <laughs> the Jesus and Mary Jane weren't scary. I mean, it was, it was, uh, it's pop music, isn't it really? It's loud. It's loud. Music, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so was, you know, be, you know, you say that you, you was writing songs at a very young age and at, at 12, 13, you starting to kind of, you know, delve into, I guess more interesting forms of music. Um, was that kind of, I mean, was you a creative kid? Um, when, uh, when I, I first started, uh, making music for a living when I was 29, 30, um, all the PR things that went out said, um, from the East Nook of Fife, a make your own entertainment type of place. So I think we're all, we, we kind of had to all be creative around here. Um, so, but I wasn't, I don't know, I wasn't building space rockets or anything. I don't remember doing anything unusual. I remember Mike, sorry, Vic, his, his real name's Mike. I remember Mike Vic getting a banjo. And I remember I had a two stringed electric guitar that my friend, my brother's friend Neville had given me. But, I don't think we were, there was anything exceptional going on. It was just we were obsessed with music. Mike's, Mike Vick's father was really into early rock and roll, so we used to listen to a lot of that stuff. And uh, just, I don't know, it just seemed such an easy thing to do, to put music on and dance around like a lunatic, you know? That, that, that interest in, in music, was that encouraged and, and you know, nurtured at school? No, no. Not at all? Absolutely not, and that's that's one of a slight bugbear of mine because I can't, I can't read music. And in fact, I have real, I can work it out if I look at it, but I really tried to, um, I really tried to read music. I never could really do it. And, and it's a slight bugbear of mine that, uh, it wasn't noted that although I couldn't read the music very well, I had a huge enthusiasm, enthusiasm for it, but you know, I'm doing okay. Track four, the first song you remember buying from a record shop. Well, this, my auntie Faith, bless her, my auntie Faith um, gave me a five pound record token or something, you know, and I went into Woolworths and I bought 20 rock and roll greatest hits and I bought it just because of the cover. And I guess this, I was, I guess I was maybe six or seven. I don't know how old I was. And it had the sort of, typical Las Vegas um, sort of lights on it. So it had like a, a cowboy with his hat, with his hitching a ride and all this sort of stuff. And then on the front, it had all these people who I hadn't heard of. And it was people like Roy Orbison, Bill Haley in the Comets. Um, uh, who else was on it? Jerry Lee Lewis. Eddie Cochran? No, no Eddie Cochran. Um, I, I don't know. I, trying to think of the who, who the anyway it doesn't no eddie cochran it, it was a weird mix of kind of good people but it didn't have people like um chuck berry on it you know it didn't it didn't have anyone like that it, it kind of had a few kind of country and western guys on it as well um and i it was a choice of that or bat out of hell by meatloaf and uh i wasn't allowed to buy bat out of hell by meatloaf because it was called Bat Out of Hell. Right, <laughs> <You know>? sure. <laughs> so, so I got 20 Rock and Roll Great Sits. 
but I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And that album taught me a huge amount about music because it was most of it's 12 bar. And I learned that what they were doing pretty quickly is the same thing on every song. And that taught me the one, five, six thing or the one, four, five thing. It taught me the sort of the blues running orders uh, of the chords, you know, and there's one track on that, which I, I noted down called Domino by Roy Orbison. Now, Roy Orbison obviously is the king, you know, but this one song, it's very dark, you know, and it's kind of got this skiffle beat running underneath it. And it's got this incredible guitar solo on it, just like a very weird, spiky guitar solo. And it's this song it says, there's a guy downtown that you might know. He goes by the name of Domino. And it's all about this kind of crazy character. And the reason I picked, chose that one from the album is because when I met Lawrence Bell, who's the head of Domino Records, and when he signed me to Domino 20 years ago, I was talking to him about that song. I said, oh, I like Domino. Yeah, I like, really like the song Domino. And he said, yeah, that's been named after that song. So it kind of came, it kind of came back into some kind of full circle because I've been with them, as I said, for 20 years. So yeah. it's, uh, it's been a chunk of my life now. Oh, but that, that was an incredible record. And that's a song that was Honey, Carl Perkins was on it, uh, Glad All Over. Yeah. That's my favorite song. One minute 40 of just perfection. Yeah. And then there's some, Bill Haley and the Comets live tracks. And there's a version of Lucille, you know, Lucille. Mm -hmm. that, um, and it starts out, it's extraordinary. It's at such a high tempo, but then you can kind of feel the band because they're all old, quite yeah. fat guys. And the band slows down and slows down. So <laughs> half, halfway through, you know, they've really lost the tempo and they're really kind of struggling to get the end of this song, but still a lot of energy in it. And, and, and a, a really uh, raunchy was on it as well, Bill Justice Raunchy, which is a, a lovely instrumental track. So it was a very, um, I still love the album. You can, you can tell by the way I'm talking about it. I still love the album. Just to touch on record shops uh, a, a little bit, um, you know, moving forward from, you know, early purchases, you know, like that one, throughout your life, you know, and you know, being a, a an independent artist, like how how important have record shops been for you? Well, there were extraordinary places when I first moved to Edinburgh because it'd be a place you could go and spend a day walking around by yourself. And at the time, there was there was probably ten or fifteen really good record shops. Edinburgh is a very small city. I'm sure I'm sure you're aware of that. Um, Compared to London, it's it's nothing, and the, and the centre itself is very small uh, for a city. And then, of course, it's got lots of outskirts. But um, there were great places where you could just go and explore and try and find try and find things, you know. And uh, there were kind of parts of my life which would like I used to look in the experimental and the noise sections, and I'd, I'd pick up things by people like Nurse with Wound and things. And then the folk section, obviously, and then the reggae section, because one of my brothers was a big fan of Burning Spear and um, Linton Crazy Johnson. So I was introduced to that stuff uh, in my sort of mid-teens, I think. So 
they were just amazing, incredible places. They're like, I don't want to say like they're like a university or anything, because of course that's nonsense, but they're a great place for discovering and finding new music, new, whole new things, you know? Yeah, and so much of it would be down to the cover or the recommendation of the guy behind the counter, <laughs> often quite a lot. The price, you know? Yeah, of course. <laughs> you go in there with a tenner and you buy two records for four quid each and then you get two quid. What can you get with two quid? Oh, look, there's a sample of, you know, a 99p sampler. But there's always something good on the 99p sampler, yeah. you know? So, no, it's been great. And now my relationship with record shops is different. I tend to go in and play in the corner or something, you know, once yeah. people sign my records, which I absolutely hate. But, <laughs> but you know, I, I, I do it. You know, Well, it's, it's, it's a horrible thing to do, um, but I do it. And it's just kind of show support for the record shops, you know, basically. You, you don't you know. enjoy doing installs? No. What, what is it you don't enjoy about it? Um, I guess the worst thing is, you know, I, I remember in, in St. Andrews, there's, uh, there's the Waterstones, that, that um, bookshop Waterstones. And I remember walking in there once and there was a guy who was selling books on the history of narrow gauge railways. And he was there with his, with his kind of uh, display and no one was talking to him. No one was interested in him and he was just sat there like a lunatic not sorry he was sat there looking a bit lonely and a bit kind of uh awkward my music is basically it, for people who are interested in narrow gauge railways you know this isn't <laughs> <laughs> this isn't the history of the beatles or something yeah. you know what i mean it's a pretty narrow again it's a it, it's a small audience so yeah you're going to these places, you've no idea what they're like, no idea how you're going to be treated, if anyone's going to be there even. So they can be really hellish because you're just stuck in a corner. There's a, like a 17-year-old boy says, oh, are, you just, are you James Yorkson? You just got to play over there, mate. You just, yeah, you just, just start singing whenever you're ready. And you're like, what, the, what am I doing? What am I doing in my life that I'm standing in a corner? singing songs to people who've come in to buy ABBA records. You know? <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, wonderful. So it's, they're, they're not always good. On the most recent, on my last tour, sorry, my last solo album was called The Route to the Harmonium. And I did a load of um, record store visits for those. And the Scottish ones were really good. I enjoyed them. The one in London was good. And the others... I was treated well and things, but I haven't warmed to them. Hmm. Okay. Well, you weren't going to ask me to do one. I just wonder what you're doing tomorrow. Uh, I've got a load of ABBA records. I've got a shift. Um, for, for track five, um, I'm going to ask you the song that soundtrack your years clubbing. Well, again, I guess... I guess I did what you could call clubbing for about ten years. Mm -hmm. So how are you gonna how are you gonna put ten years into one song? So I've chosen um, a reggae track by a guy called Prince Farai, and the track is Foggy Road. And the reason I chose that, we used to run a reggae club, my brother and I, called Spongy Reggae Function, when we were in our early twenties. I was in my early twenties. He was in his mid mid twenties. 
and it was a lot of fun basically we would we charge a pound on the door and just play spectacularly heavy dub was this and in edinburgh this is in edinburgh yeah and we would sit up the stairs in the dj booth and toot on a blim and uh just have just have a lot a lot of fun and because it was a pound to get in so you, so no one was uh no one's ever complaining about what yeah. we played you know and uh I, it it was a fun time you know my brother lives in florida now i never see him and it was it reminds me of a very carefree time uh and also i went to a lot of the other reggae clubs and th- the dance clubs things like pure and sativa i didn't go to nearly as often and then there was like the indie clubs, you know, and they weren't, they were for me for like two or three years, but then I kind of went into the sort of basically the darker stuff, you know, yeah. the, the more, the, the, the less mainstream stuff. So, so a dub reggae track or, or a mainly dub reggae track is, is the one for me. And Prince Farai, I loved what he was doing. You know, I absolutely loved the fact that he was just chatting out the Bible and he was just kind of, uh, it's a peculiar skill. It's a peculiar way to make a living just being a guy talking on top of other people's records. Yeah. So I guess I maybe feel a slight infinity with him as well. Affinity with him as well. Wonderful. For track six. James, I'm going to ask you for a favourite song from an artist from your home county, please. Oh, does it say county? Oh, it says county. Uh, I thought it said country. That's fine. You, <laughs> you, you won't be the... You're certainly not the first. You're probably about the 50th. So I need to really kind of... When I send these questions, I'll highlight that point because uh, it's happened we, a lot. So, yeah, ca- country's fine, mate. We don't actually have counties in Scotland. We mm. have regions. Um, I put down Dick Gawkin. And I wrote the Bonnie Banks of 40, but I could have written any of any of his down. Dick for me, I met him once. He played at, at my club once and uh and he was ext- he was extraordinary. Dick was um the link one of the links between traditional folk, the leaders, and the trailers, the people came after, the folk revival. And he is really part of the folk revival, but he was very intertwined, you know, and he's one of these acts whose his versions of um, traditional songs um, like Westland Winds and this Bonnie Banks of 40, they've kind of, they kind of became the canon that the other traditional singers would look at. So when, when they went to versions of now Westland Winds, they'd look at Gawkins version as as he had done such a kind of um, astounding piece of work. And from a kind of guitar player's point of view, he was extraordinary as well. So that's why Dick Gawkin, we ended up doing, with Yorkston Thorn Khan, that's me, Yorkston, and then John Thorne on double bass, and Khan is Sahel Yusuf Khan, who's a Sarangi player from New Delhi. And we kind of do this improvised mess. We did, <laughs> we did a version of uh, Westland Winds with Sahel singing this uh, ancient Sufi poem that uh, anchors from the like, 15th or 16th century that touched on the same themes as Robert Burns's Now Westland Winds. 
and we took Dick Gocken's uh, version of Now Western Winds as the springboard. But because it's a it's sung in a Sufi fashion, it very very left quickly left the springboard. And then I come in at the end and I sing just one verse of of um, Robert Burns's Now Western Winds, but kind of in Dick Gocken's style and melody. So, yeah, he he's been a big. He's a very important figure in the Scottish traditional music, basically. And uh, why not mention him? If 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 I'd read that properly and said your favorite song from an artist from your home county, I probably would have said, "There's a lady here called HMS Jennifer, and she doesn't really sing or play anymore." But in the in the early days of, I was part of a thing called the Fence Collective a long time ago. She used to go, she used to turn up and sing songs. And within that collective, there was people like myself and King Creosote and Katie Tunstall and the Pictures Trail. And uh, Jenny, we all felt, HMS Jennifer, we all felt that she had more talent than a lot of us put together. But she just never wanted, she never wanted to be uh, a singer. You know, she never wanted to be uh, that at all. She always wanted to stay here, stay in the village, and just work at her work. So I suppose I, I would mention a song of hers, and I'd probably say something like, there's a song of hers called Da She Blows, which is a particularly lovely little song. Perfect. For your last track, James, um, I'm going to ask you to tell us a song that many people might not know that you would like them to hear. Well, again, listen to the podcast and you'll hear, you'll hear, you'll hear 50 episodes of, uh, of me playing songs I think people should hear. But the one I chose for this, there was a band called The Roaches and their first album was is kind of like a cult classic. And it's got a track on it called The Hammond Song and uh, the one about going away to Ireland. I can't remember what the name of that track is. It's probably called Going Away to Ireland. And it's a beautiful little sort of coffee bar, folky harmonies uh, album. And then the career, I kind of lost track of their career because it was getting better produced and it was... Uh, I was kind of losing interest in it. They, they did things like the Hallelujah Chorus, which had zero, I had zero interest in. And then when they came up with this album called Can We Go Home Now? And I suppose this was in about 2000, 2002, somewhere around there. It might have been slightly before then. Anyway, there's a track in it called When You're Ready. And... One of the things I love about music is when you can't quite understand how a song has been written or put together and how the, the songwriting process, the, the recording process, the arrangement, none of it is, is abundantly clear. Don't get me wrong, I love very simple songs as well. I love Jonathan Richman, I love Lou Reed. I, I, I love very simple songs where you can, oh, it's A, E, B. I love all that stuff. But th this, but when a song is so mysterious, like an Alice Coltrane song, that, that you don't really know what's going on, um, it, it really, it can appeal to me greatly. And this song, When You're Ready, I think it's about when the child is ready to leave home. 
but there's this amazing electric sort of oboe vibe going on. And the rhythm is, I don't know what the rhythm is. I couldn't count it out for you. Uh, and then the harmonies, the three ladies and the roaches are singing um, three-part harmony almost the whole way throughout the song. And it's this re- very peculiar, um, it's, it's, in a minor key, but it, it's not just a minor key. It's got such a longing in it, such a kind of uh, beautiful kind of uh, grasping for something, you know. So I, it's a, a one of my favorite ever pieces of music. And we began this chat. We're talking about the other one, Faust Knocking Turns. So The Roaches, When You're Ready. I'm very happy to recommend that as a song that some of you might not have heard. As we get to... Uh the end of a, a very strange year um, for good or bad uh, looking towards next year, 2021, what, what are you looking forward to personally and what's happening professionally? It's hard to say because I'm not really looking forward to going on the road at all. <laughs> d- d- Two of my two of my best friends are John Thorne and Sahel Yusuf Khan, and we we, as I said earlier, we we had to stop that last tour in the middle, very abruptly because the government weren't saying anything about COVID. They were saying, "Oh, just carry on," and we were thinking, "No, we have to stop." You know, we have to stop. So we stopped this. We stopped this thing. I am looking forward to seeing them again. I am looking forward to seeing my family again because they're, they're scattered all around the world. And I'm hoping that they'll start coming back to see my parents, so I'll get to see them as well. And I'm looking forward to seeing my friends on the road all over. And I'm hoping festivals go ahead. I hope the Green Man Festival goes ahead. I hope I get booked. Um, professionally, I've written the next JY record. I've got a new JY record come out in January um, called The Wide, Wide River. I've written the one after that, so I'm going to have to get together somehow and start recording that i've written a load of new pieces for yorks and Khan. i've done a lot of word writing as well which we'll have to see what happens with the word writing so it's you know i'm always spinning plates oh i, I run this tour as well i run this thing called to Pfeiffer. fifa it's a club night in kakodi and in 20 this year we were supposed to have done three tours around scotland with it but that all got cancelled because of COVID. So what, what is that? What, what, tell us a little bit about the, cl- the club night. What is it? That's incredible. It's a, it's an amazing thing. It's an, there, there was a thing called the fence collective here and, and they used to put on uh, gigs in the area and for little festivals. And we'd have people like John Hopkins and uh, I think the Unthanks came up, Fortet came up. So it was some reasonable sized names, but mostly just local, local bands, local acts. And when that stopped, um, there was a there was a sort of kind of gap, so twenty miles away from me, there, there's a significantly bigger town called Kakodi, or the the Langtoon, it's called. And I just started putting on club nights there, and the idea was basically I'd have three acts per night, and uh, I'd I'd mix music with poetry, and just whoever I fancied having. So. I guess some of the more memorable ones were we had Linton, Linton Crazy Johnson came up and did a solo set and he was playing with Catherine Joseph, who's a Scottish musician and a guy called Adam Ross, who's another Scottish musician. 
and then uh, we've again we had Dick Gochen, we've had Martin Carthy, we had uh, Carl Stone come over. Carl Stone was playing at the Barbican in London. He was doing this big show in the Barbican uh, with surround. He he does kind of um, quite avant-garde electronic music, sample-based electronic music. He's been doing it since the early seventies. And he used to do it live with records, but now, of course, he uses laptops like everyone else. And he was playing this one big show down in London at the Barbican, and I managed to persuade him to come up and play in Kikodi. And we got this surround sound um, speaker system. And he was extraordinary. I mean, it was just, what a noise, you know. And because because the club night uh, has a lot of very different acts. You know, we have pop acts, so we have, King Crizo's played, um, uh, Steve Mason's played, but he, Carl Stone came and uh, it was so loud and so extraordinary. It was like being, one of the things was like being stuck inside. Um, do you remember the band, the Bundu Boys? Mm-hmm. It was like being stuck inside one of their guitars on a loop. <laughs> <laughs> It's just just this extraordinary thing going round and round the room and two old grannies left. And I was sitting at the, I sit at the back and welcome people in and stuff and and sell the the merchandise for the acts, you know? And they, they came over and they said to me, I'm sorry, James, I don't like this. And they walked out, (laughs) but it's amazing. And I, I get to ask all sorts of people to come and play. And because it's um, supported by Creative Scotland, uh, it means that I have a little bit more money to offer than otherwise I'd be able to. So, I mean, I still have to fill the room. You know, I still have to, for me to get any money, I have to fill the room. But there's enough money for for the acts that that, that isn't a risk, if you see what I mean. Yeah. So that we'll be doing that again next year. And uh, I'm looking forward to that, I suppose. I mean, you know, I'm talking about it and I'm lighting up and... Uh, you know, there, there's been some amazing nights there, some really great, great fun evenings. Wonderful. Well, James, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for your time today and, and, and best of luck with the, the new records and, uh, and, and the club night and really appreciate your time. Thank you. Well, thanks you. And uh, thanks for uh, finding the time to talk to me on this otherwise very wet afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how good was that? What an absolutely delightful man. Um, we carried on having a, a natter afterwards. Go and check out 4630. Um, that's available now on all the, the usual places, um, Anchor and Spotify, Apple Apple Podcasts, etc. So go and, go and have a listen to James's podcast. And, uh, and yeah, go and check out the new music in the new year. And uh, and yeah, and thanks loads for listening and supporting. If you see, see us on the, the social media, we're on all the platforms off the beaten track. Um, give us a like, love, share, retweet, you know, anything like that. You know, even better, you could subscribe. Uh, if you subscribe to the podcast, that really helps. Leave us a review. Um, and yeah, why not go and check out the Patreon? And uh, you'll have access to another few hundred shows over there uh, from as little as 80p a week. And uh, yeah, I think I'm done. Thanks once more to James. Um, Thanks to you lovely people for listening and supporting this podcast. And I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing. www.sosclothing.co.uk Why am I telling you this? 
because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in South End on Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music. And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. In addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done is they've given you 15% off. So if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15, B-E-A-T-1-5, and that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk official sponsors of Off The Beat and Track Podcast. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.